Hello, and welcome to the Coastal Drone Podcast. My name is Kate Glasson. I'm the Director of Operations here at Coastal Drone Co. And you can call me Coastal Kate, which is also how you'll find me on Instagram. As Coastal Drone expands, we're looking to bring you more ways to take in all there is to know about drones and the industry and the hobby. We want to make sure you subscribe so you can get updates when we post something new. I'm looking forward to bringing you interviews with experts, deep dives into topics, and some product reviews as well. And if there's something that you want us to cover, be sure to let us know. You can get in touch with us in all the usual ways on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. So make sure you subscribe, and there's more coming really soon. Okay, and we're live. So hi, everybody. Welcome to the Coastal Drone Podcast. My name's Alec Wilson. I'm the president and co-founder of Coastal Drone, along with my business partner, Kate, who is on that leave right now, who usually does this podcast, um, as well as a few other co-founders in our company. We're Canada's largest drone pilot certification and training company, and we are running our podcast this week. This week, I'd like to introduce Ali Miri. He is the president, CEO, and co-founder of UAviation, one of Canada's um, fastest growing uh, drone service providers and one of the biggest on the West Coast here in Canada. Um, he has been a friend of ours for quite some time. Um, he uses all of our training uh, for his team and uh, we also work with him to help get, get jobs done. So, uh, Ali, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Alec. You're very welcome. So, I wanted to just start with... Um, a background on you and your company um, and, and how it all started. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, so um, I actually come from aviation background. I have, uh, before I started doing the drone market, I was uh, 20 years in aviation and worked on helicopters. I was actually working on your helicopters uh, before we all get into drones and all the sky helicopters. And so I used to work at Maxcraft. Those are across from sky. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's uh, actually part of the reason I got into the drones. I, being involved in helicopter in the helicopter industry uh, for so long, I saw the potential that there were the drones back in 2014 and what drones can potentially do. And uh, you know, uh, and I saw that as a future. So back in 2014, I started thinking about the drones and got my first Phantom Three just to play around with and. In 2015, I decided that it's time to start a business and, and uh, you know, see where it takes me. And, uh, you know, uh, the first couple of years was uh, just sort of uh, still getting getting my feet wet. And uh, I still had my sort of full-time job and uh, working in helicopters and uh, at Maxcraft. And then uh, then I was sort of, I started the aviation at, at then too. And uh, it took a good year and a half to get going and good, get a, you know, a strong base that I was time to quit my daytime job for that matter and then become full-time doing a drone pilot uh, or involved in the what, what, industry. What year was that that you, that you decided to, to leave to your, your, your cushy engineering job to, uh, yeah. to, start, to start in the wild world of drones? Yeah, 2017, late 2016, very early 2017. So basically... It took, I started the business into the mid or August 2015, and uh, so it took about a year and a half, almost exactly a year and a half, of uh, sort of uh, building up stuff, getting going through the SFOC package uh, process, getting my SFOCs and all that type of fun stuff that we had to go through. And um, by 
very early 2017, uh, January, almost now, it was, that's when I decided that that's it. I'll put, uh, you know, get, uh, get out of the engineering world of uh, aviation and get into some other part of, as far as I'm concerned, still aviation and then get into drones and, and uh, get full time with that. So that's when I started the, uh, just like anybody else, but I'm, I was just starting, you know, at the time I was working out of my basement. Uh, and then, but in 2017, I got the, our office server and uh, started building up and started uh, looking at uh, hiring people that can help and grow the business. And it's three, three and a half years later, we're where we are now. So, yeah. And, and, and how many of you now at, at U Aviation? There is uh, four of us now, uh, like one. And, and one part-time guy and then there's uh yeah so we, we have four and a half sort of thing and fantastic most of, most of the days and uh yeah it's it's no it's been good it's been we were very busy and looking forward to get going and getting busier and busier so yeah i remember the first time we met ali was uh i was flying helicopters at sky helicopters at the time and uh you had a client that needed aerial shots of downtown so we uh, we had the doors off and you guys you guys hopped in the back because it, at, at the time it was just too complicated to to fly a drone downtown close to close to Vancouver International or to Vancouver Harbor. It was just too much red tape. It was well, yeah, that was one thing and also that client wanted basically aerial shots of the whole all of Vancouver. It was oh, beside right. beside if you remember we had to fly basically great patterns sort of thing to all the whole the whole Vancouver. So it was something beside everything else. It was something just wasn't even possible to do with the drones at the time uh, to fly. I mean, even now I think it's just too much for the drone, but uh, it was definitely something that was way out of so capabilities of drones. Yeah. Um, so that's, so that's a great background. Um, and uh, how many, how many drones do you have in the fleet now? Correctly, you have a, uh, nine uh well seven plus two back of nine drones uh we have everything from a little mavic mini that's sometimes just good to put up and uh check out uh things and all the way up to our m600 and m300 which was a new s edition and and pretty much everything in between every bji drone that's out there we probably have one one or one version of it though so every everyone has its own uses and use cases and so, yeah, and I, I want to jump into that and also talk about the new uh, LiDAR sensor that the Zenmuse DJI just, just released last night, I saw. Um, I want to get your opinion on that stuff, but uh, I want to I continue on here with what I think some of our listeners will find interesting. Um, before that is, what, what would you say your biggest challenges were uh, in starting the drone business? Now, I know things were a lot different back then when really there was there wasn't much regulatory structure and a lot of people didn't really take drone flight seriously they were still considered toys whereas yeah. now it's it's much more of an aircraft than a toy and and i think the public perception is is moving quickly in that direction which is great for everybody in the industry but what were your biggest challenges um trying to get a drone company or program off the ground um there is probably more than one or two biggest challenges, but there was uh, anything from regulation side of things and SFOCs and getting the proper permits and uh, 
uh, getting getting going. That was one thing. The other part was, like you mentioned, a lot of people were thinking drones as a toy, and they still wasn't taking them seriously. We've had uh, had uh, to talk to cities and municipalities and government that they just no, that's like the, at the time I'm talking about drones weren't just uh, just part of their scope, or they they just didn't think a drone could be useful. Uh, it was uh, all, all sort of then then it was the public per- perception that there was uh, people that always thought drones are soon as somebody saw us with a drone, they thought we were spying on them and they're looking at their backyard. Uh, so there was all sort of uh, issues uh, with drones. Uh, also, the, the part that most a lot of people at the time maybe didn't know about the regulation, know about the drones, and it was uh, giving the drones a bad name also because uh, people, everybody would buy a drone and do things that they're, they're not supposed to. Um, another big challenge is, is still, which is still up to this day, I, I sometimes deal with it is uh, a lot of the clients that we deal with they when you reach out to them initially or talk to them they they have done but maybe they used the drone three years ago four years ago and they didn't have a good success uh, with the drones and one of the biggest uh, obstacles we, we come across is uh, they'd say oh we used a drone it didn't work for us but then it's just a matter of saying well when did you use a drone? Who did you use to use a drone? What was how was it done? I mean, give it another try and maybe will will change your mind. But there's all sort of uh, obstacles. Then then there's always the business side of this and, and actually trying to get clients and trying to find business. And it is a competitive market. Uh, there are a lot of drones are getting cheaper and everybody, a lot of people can get into the market easier. But at the same time, I find that there's a lot of competition at the, you know, the smaller sort of, I wouldn't say smaller, I don't want to say smaller scale, but where people can get in easier uh, versus uh, if you have a LiDAR, there's less, less competition, or if you have a M300, a lot of the, I'm talking about depending on the level of, uh, what le- the level of work you're trying to do or how much investment you put in, right. you obviously get, uh, get more out of it. So if you were to give your, your younger self some advice, if you were to look back on your, on your time growing this company and starting it from nothing uh, as a drone service provider, what would, you, what would you tell yourself? And or what would you tell someone um, who has maybe just been laid off uh, from their current vocation? Maybe they have some related experience, maybe they don't. Um, and they're they're looking to figure out new ways to generate income for themselves and, and, and they're interested in this, in this type of work. What, what kind of advice would you, would you give them maybe in a, in a couple minutes? I would, I would say the biggest thing I learned uh, over time is that to me, a lot of people, anybody can learn how to fly their drone or learn their regulation. It's become good at what your one thing or that, that you're passionate about. So flying a drone to me is, almost a secondary, uh, it's a drone's a tool to collect the data of whichever this data, whatever this data is, uh, to, but it's a matter of what you do with this data. That's the biggest thing I learned is you, you anybody can basically, a lot of the drones these days are, they're, they're self, they're, they fly themselves and it's just easy enough to fly them. It's whether you like taking photos of uh, real estate or doing a surveys or inspection, you have to be good at that and be, be competent and comfortable and uh, 
to be able to to provide a good uh, deliverables to to your customers. And uh, drones are just a tool. Uh, so uh, that's why, for for example, for us here, we have four guys, but everybody I. And again, early on, one thing I learned was uh, one mistake I was making was early on I was hiring people based on their drone experience or based on how much piloting piloting they have. But but then right away I realized that once we've done flying and we're back in the office, there's I don't necessarily have a lot of work for somebody that doesn't have any other sort of background. If you know what I mean. Uh, so then it's it. So I changed my my. Uh, Thinking and then started looking at people that have better design or web design or or, or, or editing background or for the matter business development or a GIS background. Then that makes then sense. That we'll makes collect this sense. data and then use and then process. Because drone drone flying is although complex and arguably one of the most complex parts about it is is knowing what's safe and legal and what isn't and, exactly, yeah. and, and how you can use this tool and still comply with the regulation and not be looked at as irresponsible. The, the flying itself, especially with the software that's out there, um, yep. is often quite automated, right? It's, it's yep. often fairly, fairly straightforward, especially if, if, if you've uh, got some experience with video games or, or, other, or other types of platforms like that where you're using your, your, your thumb and stick skills, as, as we call it. Um, so it's not so much the operator skill or the operator experience. It's more about what value can they bring? Um, uh, absolutely. And, and the, yeah, so the, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. So the regulation side of it and no one being irresponsible, that's hundred mm-hmm. percent the first thing and being, being safe and operating in a manner that's safe to public and aviation and uh, aircraft and everything else. But uh, it's also, and and it all comes down. So if you're a, if you like photography, it, it'll be good if you have really good understanding of photography and videography, and then being able to. Because again, the, once you learn how to fly the drone, then it comes down to getting that perfect shot or getting that uh, perfect exposure and then framing. So there's lo- there's a lot more than just the drone itself, uh, and I think that's part of the reason a lot of people think. Just getting the drone, it's 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 get them started, but you have to almost learn that other skills that what you're using the drone for right. to get to get yeah, what you need. Yeah, right. Um, would you uh, would you recommend a certain certification over another? I know right now there's only basic and advanced, but do you have do you have any folks on your team with just a basic certification? No, we don't have anybody with basic certification. Uh, no, like I said, uh, when I hire somebody, uh, so one of the guys right now, he's a flight instructor in Amanda Aviation. He's a flight instructor and uh, or in training, but he has his CPL and PPL, and so the private pilot license and commercial pilot. And so he comes from a background of aviation, but he's great to use, we use, uh, like he's looking after all our regulation and SFOC and visa laws and that kind of stuff. We have somebody else that has um, digital development and marketing and website. So we can, he can also fly and then also do all the post, uh, and same as the GIS and same as our business development. Uh, so we'll have, um, everybody has, a, has their own role in the company. 
and then also everybody is becoming everybody's pilot. So this, once you once you're an advanced pilot, uh, to, to give you just a idea, I would say uh, probably sixty to seventy percent of our total flights are automated flights. We don't fly manually. It's mostly photogrammetry or mapping or surveying or inspection that we just program. It's a lot of it is usually learning the computer skills or programming skills and to be able to program these flights and, and uh, do it responsibly and of course and but uh, I'll get what client needs and let the let the drone do the work. Right. Um, okay well that's I think that's that's a great that's a great place to leave that segment. Um, what would be if you could if you could start a drone business and you only were able to purchase one drone, um, what would that drone be? Well, it's a sort of ties into that previously comment, but also you're depending on the budget. I mean, I would the if you're just trying to get let's just say get into I'm just using a real estate as a as an example, but if you're getting to the real estate market, then I would probably start with a Mavic uh, Mavic Two or Mavic Two Pro or something like that. Uh, great drone, uh, great images and videos and cam pictures. So. And it's a good starter drone. Uh, you can, if you're looking at uh, serving side of things, uh, maybe a Phantom 4 or Phantom 4 RTK for that matter uh, to be able to serve it. But that's definitely, but you know, six times the price of a Mavic or more. Right. Uh, if you're trying to get, we just per, just purchased the well, not just, but about four months ago when it came out, but a M300. Uh, M300 is a great drone with the inspection capabilities and I've already been through the paces. I was up in Kimano, Kitimat Kimano up northern DC, uh, you know, inspecting bridges and power line bridges and stuff, which was amazing. It was amazing drone and in a mountainous uh, sort of environment and it, it it was a solid drone. But that comes with a price tag of thirty, thirty five thousand dollars. So it's right. it's really depending on what you're trying to get into, but uh, but do the research. I would say do do your research. Pick that pick the right drone for what you're comfortable with. So there's no need to overspend as well. Yeah, we we get a lot of folks asking us what is the the best drone to start with um, for costs. Like, what do we recommend? I often recommend the Mavic 2 Pro or the Mavic Air 2 to start with, as, yep. as I think the Mavic Air 2 is also a great little drone for its price. Um, do you have any drones that aren't DJI? Um, no, not at the moment. Everything we have, we have uh, is DJI. We have the Mavic Mini, Mavic. Uh, I don't actually have Mavic Air, so I don't know much about Mavic Air. But we have Mavic Pros or Mavic Two, and we have the then we've got the Phantom and Phantom 40K uh, Inspire Two and M600, M300, M200, uh, and the list. Uh, I think I. Them all, but maybe a couple <laughs> more, couple more. <laughs> that and two ten. Uh, yeah. So then, um, yeah, yeah. So that's. Uh, but it's funny you say that. Just before this call, I had I got off another call with a with a sort of our somebody that we're looking at maybe partnering up with. But uh, we're looking at hydrogen cell drones and probably these are sort of a bigger drones that they the the maximum takeoff weight was is about twenty four point nine kilograms, which is just under that twenty five kilogram. Mm -hmm. 
Of course. Uh, but uh, that's, yeah, that's that's uh, hydrogen cell fuel power that was would give us capability to fly for with a payload with a five kilogram payload for about two hours. Wow. Which would be, wow. Which would be the next uh, probably the next step and next next step for us. Um, and is that uh, what application would you see that being most useful for right now? I would. Uh, Pretty much at this point, uh, only be looking at forestry applications. For sure, uh, we we do forestry quite a bit, and uh, one of our biggest uh, challenges in a forestry environment is uh, is battery uh, with M six hundred and having a big payload like a lidar. It's we are generally limited to you know twenty minutes of flight time, but a good ten to twelve minutes of actual data collection time of. Uh, useful data that we use. So everything else is wasted in pre-calibration, post-calibration, uh, getting to the site or getting them to the next grid that we need to do. So a lot of times it'd be fine that that's only 10 to 12 minutes of that flight was what we actually needed. Uh, the, uh, uh, so forestry, and then also that ties into our BBLOS that we're working on, the Transport Canada to to right. To go after and get that, and that yeah. helps uh, helps with, with that. So, well, that's actually my next my next question, um, and probably where we'll leave it. Um, but in three years, let's say, where do you see your company and and the application of of flight with with drones? And obviously, that's going to tie into Bevelos or Beyond Visual Line of Sight, which for anyone who isn't familiar. Uh, right now, the regulations and all drone flight more or less sits within the VLOS framework or visual line of sight, which means you have to keep the drone within your eyesight at all times. You can't fly it over, over a hill or around a mountain or what have you where you're, where you're now operating the drone uh, without someone on your team being able to actually see the thing. So beyond visual line of sight is going to unlock a completely new... Uh, set of applications for, for drones within, uh, within the industry. Uh, we need to work on how we, how we manage the airspace, how the drones uh, manage themselves and the other drones that they're flying with, and also the manned aircraft that's sharing the airspace as well. Uh, so we're all working, all of us in the industry are working towards developing a, a framework, an unmanned traffic management framework or UTM framework that's going to help to uh, make this safe and so that we don't have drones flying into aircraft and planes and helicopters, which is, of course, the worst case scenario. Yep. So with that background, where do you see UAviation um, fitting into BVLOS within the next three years and how do you think it will transform what you do as a company? I think um, so. BVLOS is definitely the future. I think everybody, like you said, everybody's goal is to work towards that and then get to that point uh, that we can send the drones off and uh, do thing all safely and without endangering other uh, bystanders or aircrafts or manned aviation board. Uh, uh, but it is, uh, it is to me, it's a future. It's a lot of the, a uh, lot of the smaller scale jobs that can be done. There's drones are getting cheaper and cheaper that are finding there's everybody can get one that for local jobs, but Beagle loss is where I see UAVation and RC where 
we can be we can improve and be ahead of the market uh, is uh, the, we we already already had uh, as, as you mentioned so we have we've had over the last three years at least uh, applications such as uh, a lot of the forestry such as uh, rail, railways or railroads uh, uh, or just roads just stuff like that that was like just one of our last projects just within this month was actually a railroad up in northern BC that was 16 kilometers. So 16 kilometer is relatively safe. It's flat. It would have been done with potentially, you know, two flights or three flights of, of uh, if we had, we didn't have to move as we locate as much, but because of the visual line of sight regulation, we had to move, break it up into a two kilometer segments and do it to break it up into eight different locations. And, uh, and fly the drone. Oh, there, there is a, there is a huge forestry happening. There is a, oh, there's mar I'm sure there's the industries and power, the power lines, uh, pipelines. There's industries that haven't even quite tapped into the full potential of drones because of the regulations and limitations currently that can be, be benefiting from the drones and be loss. And that's part of the reason I'm looking at hydrogen powered drones or, or other potential hybrid drones that we can fly for longer and, and uh, get the data required. That's, that some of the trains are not accessible. And when you go get into the, anywhere outside of, or here, for example, lower mainland, or anywhere outside of city, there is the, the things are, sites are not necessarily easily accessible, or there's, uh, there's, there's also the issues that it may be a BB loss will definitely help. And um, yeah, that's, that's where I think we're gonna go, and I like to as a as a individual that uh, growing up and uh, here I've always always thought in any sort of business anything I like to stay ahead of the market. Uh, so like to kind of be in the forefront of uh, what's coming next, and then try to get on that. Absolutely, it's 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 very exciting to be yep. here now because we're really just in the infancy of of the drone business, the drone industry, drones as a career, drones as a service. Um, it's hard to imagine what it will look like in three yeah. years. Will it be that you look up over a city like Vancouver and at any given moment you'll see a drone flying around with, with an Amazon package or, or some type of other delivery or mission that it's carrying out and they're all flying autonomously in a grid network I mean, I personally actually do see that future. For, for quite some time, I was in denial about that. I didn't think that people were going to accept that, that they didn't want these things buzzing all around above them. But the rate at which this industry is moving is far faster than I ever thought it would. Um, yep. And so I, I do right. firmly believe that that will be our future probably sooner than three years. I, I totally agree as well, actually. Like that's going to be a lot sooner than we think. Uh, let's see drones flying around and delivering at least. Yeah. Yeah. Just crazy. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that's it for us, Ali. Um, there's our time. We're at 1130. So uh, thanks very much. And uh, I think you provided some great insight to, to what it takes to, to build a, a business um, within this heavily regulated industry and rapidly changing industry. And um, I think that's some great insight for folks that are looking to looking to maybe take this on. So thanks for your time.
Yeah, no, no worries anytime. Absolutely. One thing I have to just uh, say is, yeah, if you're looking into getting into drone industry, just uh, make sure that you, first of all, uh, have the good understanding of the regulation and knowledge and do everything within the framework of uh, current regulation and and uh, just make sure you give drones a good name, not a bad name, so we can all, you know, advance and get get other things open up for us. You bet. That's a great way to leave it. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks very much, Ali. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Ali.